Hello, hello, happy New Year's, MERS listeners. Uh, here, this is Samantha Schreiber, the Senate reporter of MERS News. Uh, it is currently, by the time that this comes out, going to be the second day of 2023, the new year. Uh, while we're recording this, I have just completed covering the governor's inauguration ceremony at the Capitol on the Capitol lawn on January 1st. And on me, with me via Zoom, is Kyle Malint, the MERS editor. Hey, how are you doing, Samantha? Glad to be on the podcast again. And uh, I gotta let you—I gotta let all our listeners know that our House and Senate directories on our website, MERS.News, have been updated for the new session, with uh, available bios on all the new lawmakers. Now that we're into 2023, we've got updated information on them all. Yeah, no, that's so exciting. We have features <laughs> modified, ready to go. It's so kind of interesting as we do this deep dive into 2023. What really made this inauguration event stand out in comparison to others, especially if we look back at the governor's first inauguration ceremony in 2019, is that this time she's going in with a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate by her side. And that was kind of a something that was getting a consistent nod toward throughout the ceremony. You know, there would always be a little a little note about it here and there, rather you were listening to a speaker or talking to someone in the audience. And another interesting almost a bit of a homage do I, do I dare make that observation <laughs> is that you had former governor Blanchard as the former governor guest and he is the last governor to have experience both a Democratic-led House and a Democratic-led Senate occurring simultaneously. Uh, last one, and then 40 years happens, and here we are again. Yeah, you know, uh, just uh, reading your coverage too, Sam, I was struck by the fact that there was folks out in the audience who were wearing the pink beanies. That was reminiscent of Governor Whitmer's really launch into her gubernatorial bid in 2017, Kind of right after the Trump inaugural, there were a lot of folks who were really agitated and excited. And uh, it was the largest group I saw at that time on the Capitol lawn. And here it was, the, her second inaugural, it sounds like. And uh, what? How, how, what would you say? 25% of the crowd was wearing those pink beanies again? Oh, there was a ton. It reminded me of a lot of the reproductive freedom, the pro-abortion movement. Uh, you know, that pink color is obviously, you know, a color that Planned Parenthood uses a lot. It's interesting to think about all of the demonstrations that I went to on the pro-choice side after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And he saw that pink color you know, all over the place is kind of their battle flag. And then here you kind of see things really come to fruition as we talk about the impact that Roe v. Wade had on this past election. And that really does come to fruition with the governor using pink as her signature color. Uh, like I said, for her, uh, we were talking earlier, Kyle, that her color palette uses that dark shade of pink along with kind of some more purpley blue tones. But uh, I believe that there is an interview out there where the governor does say one of her New Year's resolutions is to wear more pink this year so it's going to be a pink 2023 uh, but you know it wasn't just talking about democrats so i mean i i think the governor has addressed and does understand the margins of this majority and what can happen if maybe somebody isn't there what if something happens what if it calls for a special election like you never never know especially not in lansing um 
you know, so she did give kind of a shout out to the incoming Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt, uh, House Minority Leader Matt Hall. And it, I am I am definitely kind of curious. I think she has some plans that deal with savings, that deal with retirement tax eliminations, uh, things that I, I'm really interesting to see what type of role that this Republican minority is going to play at the negotiation table. Yeah, are they going to be serious about negotiating things or are they going to uh, be an impediment to try and prevent Democrats from getting a lot of their agenda through? You know, there is a way to do this for Republicans where they can get a lot out of this, too. You mentioned the slim minority and the slim majority that are in play here. And uh, if the Republicans have certain things they want to get uh, passed as part of this, there should be some negotiations going on, because like you said, Sam, uh, if somebody's not present, uh, if if there's a couple folks on the Democratic side who are just uh, are are not supportive of what's getting passed at a particular time, uh, they're going to need Republicans, and uh, so Republicans should be developing a wish list of things they can bring to the negotiating table uh, to get in exchange for their support. Yeah, and there are Democrats in both chambers that are returning that don't always vote the same way that the rest of their party does. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. So I'm a little bit curious to see what things are going to look like. I mean, as of right now, you have two years. We'll see what happens with Republicans and their pursuit to reclaim the House in, oh, my goodness, 2024. Let's start talking about (laughs) it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, this inaugural was really interesting to me in the role that uh, outgoing Supreme Court Justice Bridget McCormick played in it. Uh, Talk about that a second, Sam, because I I thought that was really touching about her leaving her legacy behind for the new leadership on the Supreme Court. Yeah, definitely. The media was invited into the governor's office for the official document signing of Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist and Governor Whitmer signing their, you know, making their oaths of office and signing that documents. Uh, And then you also had the swearing in of uh, the new justice, Kyra Harris Bolden. Uh, So Bridget McCormick is obviously in the room. Uh, She's there for the presentations, swearing individuals in. And you have this moment where Kyra Bolden is getting sworn in, Justice Bolden, shall I say. And right at the end, Bridget McCormick, newly retired Justice McCormick, goes one more thing and takes off her robe and then puts it on uh, the new justice. It was definitely it was something that was really unique to see and to have Governor Whitmer. I mean, You know, this was a Michigan Supreme Court appointment that she made right before her first term end, uh, putting the first black woman onto the court and then also making sure that she was the one there to swear her in for her second term. And what I heard is that Justice Clement and the other members of the Supreme Court made Bridget McCormick a visiting judge. And that's how she was able to swear in the folks that she swore in today because she had officially resigned. But the Supreme Court justices made her a visiting judge just so she could participate in those ceremonies, uh, which is really cool. But, uh, yeah, a new legacy on the Supreme Court, uh, first black uh, um, female justice on the Supreme Court, uh, very powerful moment. 
And uh, it sounds like there were some festivities out on the lawn as well. Yes, we had dancing roller skaters. There was ice sculptures. There's a um, a tent where they were playing music. Uh, so music and they were giving out like pretzels. I did not take a pretzel, but I do like to look. I love checking out the snacks at any given event. But it, I mean, it was it was definitely <laughs> it was a festivity for sure. And I think Michigan really lucked out because even though it did get a bit chilly, it was still in the 30s, like inching toward the 40s, like not that bad at all. I would take that over a and, blizzard any day. And, and no rain. Well, there was a bit of a drizzle, but it actually the drizzle okay. wasn't really there for the for the speeches. Okay. okay. Uh, did you read my story on the histor- the history of inaugurations in Michigan? Well, yeah. Tell our listeners about it, because um, it, there's there is some. Well, we've had quite a few and there is some history behind it. Yeah, so kind of the first time that you see this big celebration for inauguration, it was actually right when the new capital, the capital that we have today, opened up. And it was kind of this overall celebration of, look, Michigan, we finally have the capital of our dreams that we've been waiting for. And it was a governor who was on his second term getting sworn in. Um, so it was kind of less about him himself, but really what is going to be the symbol of our new capital that, of course, a lot of us all work here today. Uh, but, you know, kind of in the very beginning of when Michigan first declared itself to be a state, this was strictly business. You know, it was Inside the house chamber, joint session, get in, get out, get to work. Uh, And then you kind of see in the 1920s, though, that it becomes very much a societal event. You know, you have people with the fur coats and the pearls and the cigars. And, you know, you have a lot of those town hall reporters that are covering it less for the politics like we do and more kind of for the beauty aspect of it all. And then now, I mean, I think it's also interesting is to see different governors and types of tokens that they have. Um, I think this year I'm under the impression that it was definitely those pink beanies that the governor had. Uh, But, you know, we've had Jennifer Granholm. She had a candle a specialty inauguration candle. Uh, John hmm. Angler had a little toy car. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was I must have. I must have missed those uh, little gadgets they gave out for his 1999 inauguration. So I don't know. I'm excited to see. I, I I like to see the little tokens. So for this episode of the Mers Monday podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, with it being the New Year's holiday, uh, we are going to take a look back at some of the inauguration ceremony speeches. And kicking off at the late list, I am going to share some joint remarks recorded from uh, House Speaker Joe Tate, a Detroit Democrat, and Senate Majority Leader Winnie Brinks, a Grand Rapids Democrat. Here we go. Good morning and thank you. As I look at my colleagues gathered here today, I recognize whether you are a nonprofit leader and the hardworking daughter of Dutch immigrants, a problem-solving engineer, a law dean, a dedicated prosecutor, the governor of our great state, or in my case, the son of a firefighter and public school teacher from Detroit. We are all on the same team, Team Michigan. Team Michigan is ready to seize 2023 and beyond, committed to ensuring families are supported, workers are valued, diversity is respected, rights are protected, communities are strong, the economy can thrive, and our children are safe. 
I want to thank my constituents for electing me from the 10th House District to represent them in the Michigan House of Representatives and my caucus for choosing me to lead as Speaker of the House. Thank you and Happy New Year. And I'll turn it over to Senate Majority Leader Brinks. Good morning. Today is a very good day for our beautiful state. As Governor Whitmer and Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist and other leaders take their oaths of office, a stunning opportunity stands before us to work together like never before, across legislative chambers and alongside the executive branch. It is with gratitude to the voters that have placed their trust in us that we embrace this opportunity to move in unison to improve the lives of the people of Michigan. As we celebrate this powerful moment together, we do so ever mindful that true unity is directly correlated to the strength we draw from the diversity of our great state. With an unprecedented and broad array of ideas, experiences, identities represented in the halls of power, it is a point of great pride that more Michiganders than ever before now have a seat at the table. So today is indeed a very good day. I'm proud to stand alongside Governor Whitmer in a unified commitment to the people of Michigan. I am confident in her strength and courage to meet the challenges and the joys of the task before her. And so, on behalf of the State Senate, I bring heartfelt congratulations to Governor Whitmer and all the leaders here on the occasion of the governor's second inauguration as governor of the state of Michigan. Thank you. Next up, we have the re-elected Attorney General, Dana Nessel. Promised my wife I'd stick to the script. So, spoiler alert, this is going to be super boring. It's been the privilege and honor of my lifetime to have served as Attorney General of this amazing state, which I have called home all my life. Thank you to the voters of Michigan for giving me the opportunity to do it for another four years. I pledge to do all I can to represent the state with fairness, compassion, and with dignity, and to continue to search for and to implement every conceivable way to bring justice to as many people as possible. Ever mindful of the commitment to equal justice under the law for each and every person who calls Michigan home. So thank you to my family for all your love and support. Love you guys. Thank you to the amazing staff at the Department of Attorney General. Brilliant and dedicated public servants. Love you guys. Uh, and thank you again to the good people of the great state of Michigan. Really looking forward to the next four years. Thanks, everybody. And next, we have the remarks from re-elected Democratic Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. 
Four years ago, I stood before you all and declared that it was a new day for democracy here in the state of Michigan. And indeed, it was. <laughs> I stood before you then alongside my two mentors, the late United States Senator Carl Levin and the late Judge Damon Keith, both of whom are no longer with us. And I committed to each of you and to the citizens of Michigan that as Michigan's Secretary of State, I would work and fight every day to protect every vote, every voice, and our democracy. And did we ever. Over the last four years, we carried out the highest turnout elections in our state's history, and Michigan is now a national leader in fair and secure and accessible elections. Our votes are also safe and secure, thanks to local election officials and election workers who stand guard over the integrity of our elections every day. Our legislative districts are drawn by citizens in a nonpartisan manner. And we've instilled a new standard and expectation for excellent customer service from our state government, where now everyone, no matter where you live, can be in and out of a Secretary of State branch office in under 30 minutes. <laughs> We did all of this together, but our work is not yet done. We're in an era of misinformation and bad actors continue to spread lies about our democracy to advance their own agendas. They seek to silence your voices and diminish your ability to hold your government accountable. But today proves they will not prevail. I stand before you today with the firm belief that every citizen deserves to live in a state where their voices are heard and where truth prevails. Our government works for everyone, where we work together as Democrats, Republicans, and independents to ensure that our state is safe, strong, and free. Because that's who we are as Michiganders and as Americans. In the years ahead, we will fight to recenter our political discourse on the facts and the truth. We will fight to ensure government operates transparently, transparently to earn the trust of all citizens and we will fight to enact stronger protections for the people who make our democracy work, the local clerks and election workers all across our state who stand guard over the integrity of our elections. And we will continue to fight to ensure that every voice is heard and every vote is counted. We're gonna do more because I'm a fighter and I'm just getting warmed up. We will emerge from this time, this moment in our history, with a stronger democracy and a stronger Michigan. It is the greatest honor of my life to serve as your Secretary of State. I'm grateful for your trust, your support, for the support of the incredible hardworking staff at the Michigan Department of State, for the support of my family and all of you here. And on behalf of all of you, I'm ready to continue working hard and fighting harder every day in my service to you and in the interests of our state, our people, and our democracy. So thank you. Now let's get back to work. And next up, we have Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Good morning, Michigan. It is with both great pride and humility that I return to your service as Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Michigan. 
My wife Ellen and I thank every Michigander for honoring us with the opportunity to represent our state. To Ellen, the love of my life and the anchor of my existence, I thank you and our children, Garland, Emily, and Ruby, for the courage, commitment, and clarity that you bring to this world every day and that you make sure that I bring to my service. I love you. Thank you, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, for how you work and win for the people of Michigan every single day. Thank you for the confidence that you have in me and the love you have for our people. It is your humble determination that inspires us all. Thank you to every person who put their faith in Michigan's future into action by voting in this election. Whether you voted for us, voted against us, or did not vote at all, we all have this in common. We are Michiganders whose collective pride in this place is more powerful than political divides, whose futures are woven together as the roots of the trees that color and cover this beautiful state. Today is our day of reflection and recommitment. We have come a long way together in these last four years through trial and tribulation. We've taken care of needs and we've taken care of business, triumphing in significant ways. We together have proven that there is no such thing as impossible. Impossible is not a fact. It is an opinion, a shadow of doubt that strangles hope. But the fact is that in this 21st century America, in our magnificent Michigan, there is no great act of goodness that we cannot accomplish together. We have saved lives together. We have strengthened this economy. Recent years have seen the most new small businesses launched in Michigan in a generation by Michigan Minds and Michigan Muscle. This is a sign of the confidence that our friends and neighbors have in our state's ability to support their growth and success into the future better than any other state can. Now more Michiganders are connected to the internet than ever before. More connected to jobs, more connected to education, more connected to opportunity, and more connected to each other. We are on pace to connect every person in Michigan to the internet before any other large state. And this is a race that Michigan can and Michigan will win. We now together turn Michigan's sand, solder, and sunlight into semiconductors at scale, positioning our best in the world workers and companies to build the next American century, just as Michigan workers and innovators did with automobiles and mobility in the 1900s. Our nation's future will be Michigan made. 
We are grinding to a halt the cruel churn of a reality where the amount of money you have today determines the heights you can reach tomorrow. And thanks to our collective effort, Michigan's children and adults have greater access to equitable, affordable paths to enhance their minds through education, leading to careers that decrease poverty, increase wealth, and improve quality of life for families. Now, yes, it's true that we have lost, but we also have loved. We've wept and we have worked, yet circumstance has not stopped us from carrying forward. Indeed, it's our enduring grit and grace that propels us. And we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to make things happen across Michigan. We can go further. We can deliver more. We can make life easier for those who are struggling to get by. And doing so now will make a difference for decades. Our pledge is as simple as it is profound. We will serve and support the success of every Michigander, every educator and engineer, every artist and entrepreneur, every steel worker, auto worker, and farmer, every parent and child. Know that your success is Michigan's success. We must seize these next several years as an opportunity to truly demonstrate how we as public servants can use the tools and powers the people have given to us to create the conditions for prosperity and equity. There is a role for all of us, working people, the differently able, the public and private sectors, students, members of our tribal nations, philanthropists, and elders. We must meet this moment by choosing partnership rather than partisanship, working shoulder to shoulder to show how much we can get done when we do it together. In this, the Great Lakes state, shaped by the once frozen and ever-changing waters, we are uniquely blessed to steward. It is our rivers that shape how I view the opportunities that the present and the future hold for us all. Our task is to make wide as possible those rivers of opportunity for the Michiganders of today and tomorrow, to help people in every community, in every corner, on both peninsulas of Michigan, stand strong, proud, and tall to be their best selves, to overcome every obstacle, to outcompete every competitor, and to turn their ideas into a better future for all of us. So let us not be small in our imaginations. Let us not be narrow in our relationships, for it is the widest rivers that bring forth the most life. Thank you, Michigan. God bless you. And again, God bless the great state of Michigan. And for our final round of remarks, we have Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, she began her remarks shortly after the traditional firing of the cannons. Have we got your attention now? Hello, Michigan. I am honored to be here, and I am excited to get to work. First, I got to thank my family, my daughters, Sherry and Sydney, my husband, Mark, my dad, Dick Whitmer, who's watching from home, my sister, Liz, 
brother Richard, my stepsons Mason, Alex, and Winston. I could not do this without their love and their support. And I want to thank all of the statewide leaders who are with us today. My partner in governance, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, our Attorney General Dana Nessel, our Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, each has served Michigan admirably over the last four years. And I am so grateful to continue our partnership for the next four. And the same goes for all of the incredible state employees, my cabinet, and my executive office team. I could not do this without every single one of them. And a warm welcome to my friends from the Michigan Legislature, the two new Democratic leaders who've each made history. Speaker Joe Tate and Senate Majority Leader Winnie Briggs. And I want to welcome House Minority Leader Matt Hall and Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt. Let's work together and continue to move Michigan forward. I want to acknowledge my federal partners, our incredible senators, Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters, Congresswomen Stevens and Lawrence, who are with us, and our hardworking congressional delegation. My fellow Michiganders, I am honored that you have put your trust in me to continue leading our beautiful state. I will be a governor for all Michiganders, and I will work with anyone who wants to solve problems and get things done. In November, Michiganders spoke with a clear voice. They want the ability to raise a family without breaking the bank. They want strong protections for constitutional rights and leaders who are focused on the fundamental issues that matter most of their lives. They expect us to embody the values that they live up to every single day the grit and the grace. They deserve practical problem solvers who can get things done. And let me tell you, Michiganders are smart. We know we face a lot of immediate and long-term challenges, but by working together, we can tackle those challenges. Over the next four years, we must do everything we can so we lower costs for families so they can have more money in their pockets to take care of their bills and put food on the table. We need to grow our economy so that every single person can get the skills and land a good paying job. Ensure that every Michigander is safe, going to work, dropping their kids off at school, or simply being home in their neighborhood. We must build up infrastructure for our communities, from the roads we drive on to the homes we live in, to the pipes that deliver our kids' drinking water. Our task is clear. Focus on the fundamentals. Work together and get things done. So let's talk about those fundamentals. What are we going to do over the next four years? Well, I'll have a lot more to say in my upcoming State of the State and budget addresses. But I want to share the vision with you here today. Let's ensure that our hardworking seniors can keep more of what they've earned. Let's bring supply chains home to Michigan from China and become an epicenter of innovation from clean energy 
to batteries to chips. Let's empower every child, no matter where they live, so that they can pursue their potential by continuing to make record investments in education from preschool to post-secondary. And let's fight for our workers to ensure they can earn a good living, have great benefits, including time with their families, and quality, affordable health care. And let's reduce gun violence, the number one killer of kids in this country, by pursuing common sense reforms here. Let's repeal outdated laws that limit our freedom to control our own bodies or who we marry. Let's tackle climate change head-on while creating jobs, lowering costs, and protecting our air and our lakes, great and small. If we reach across the aisle and we bring people together in every region and focus on solving problems, we can make Michigan a place where all people can envision a great future, no matter who they are, where they come from, or how much money they have in their pocket. We have a lot of good work to do. I am more confident than ever that our future is bright because of you, my fellow Michiganders, the tough, hardworking people who call this great place home. So how do you know a Michigander? Well, there are a few telltale signs. We show off our hometown with pride by pointing to our hands or our mittens. We have the peninsulas and the Great Lakes on our cars, around our necks, and on our clothing. We rock stormy chromers on our heads and put Carhar on our backs to keep us warm. We bleed maize and blue, but mostly green and white, at least in this town, right? We were all rooting for Michigan last night, though. We swear by our favorite local craft beer, and we know that the Lions are on their way up. And hey, they've never lost a Super Bowl, right? We know that Michigan is a special place, and we want to make it better for Michiganders today and for those to come in the decades ahead. But what makes a Michigander? It's not any of those things that I just mentioned. It's our underdog spirit and our championship swagger. We are tough and we never shy away from hard work. Michiganders are competitive. Even if you count us out, look down on us, or fly over us, I promise you, we will defy your expectations. Over the next four years, we will dig deep, and we will get things done. It's what Michiganders do. We got some famous ones you may know, like a rapper from Eight Mile who reminded us to lose ourselves in the moment. Or, that's right. Or Sojourner from Battle Creek, born into slavery, who fought for liberation and women's equality. Her last name was her legacy, Truth. A genre-defining singer from Detroit who told us every single one of us deserves a little R-E-S-B-E-C-T. A young man from Saginaw, born without sight, whose voice lifts our souls and another from Iron Mountain, 
who became one of the greatest basketball coaches to ever do it. And Hemingway, one of America's greatest writers who spent his childhood summers in Petoskey and wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. Those are the folks you may know, but there are millions you don't. Centuries of Anishinaabe who fought to preserve their culture and defend the Great Lakes that define us. Generations of families who migrated here from across the country and around the world to escape poverty or violence or just to seek a better life. They built the middle class and the automobile with their bare hands. They saw our spectacular peninsulas as places of possibility. They came with nothing, looking for something. They worked hard over centuries in hopes that their children and grandchildren would have a brighter future with more freedom and opportunity. That's what Michigan is at its best, a beacon for anyone who has been counted out or left behind, the embodiment of hope and defined by hard work. Those of us who are lucky enough to be Michiganders know that, and it's why we love our state. For the next four years, our task is to ensure that every Michigander, present and future, can succeed. And our message is simple. We're putting the world on notice that your future is here in Michigan. If you want to have a great quality of life at a good cost of living, your future is in Michigan. If you've got big dreams and an underdog spirit, your future is here in Michigan. And if you want to come together and get things done, your future is in Michigan. I am so excited to get to work. Let's move Michigan forward. So, my friends, Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. Drive safe, and let's go Lions! Thank you so, so much, MERS Monday listeners, uh, for joining us as we recapped and took a dive into the January 1st, New Year's Day, um, inauguration ceremony for Governor Whitmer and other statewide office holders in the state of Michigan. I would also like to thank editor Kyle Malin for joining me earlier on this podcast. Additionally, a huge thank you to AT&T for sponsoring this and all our other podcasts. Uh, until next week, and Happy New Year's, everybody. This is the MERS Monday Podcast, and I'm Samantha Schreiber. Happy New Year.